Hey y'all, welcome to a new episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome and thank you for joining the ride and I hope you enjoy this episode. And if this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing on this journey with me as we navigate the crazy world of professional wrestling. Now this episode is going to be a little bit different. Of course, I'm going to start with news and gossipish because there's a lot that I do want to talk about and discuss. And then I'm going to have, um, I'm going to continue the Wrestling Stars Fell on Alabama series with um, covering the late, great Paul Bearer. And then I'm going to take some time, um, the time that I would usually take to do the weekly recap. I'm going to take that time to talk about an event um, and regarding AEW President Tony Khan and um, the state of women in wrestling media. So I'm going to take some time to address my feelings on that situation, if you may or may not know about it. Um, so sit back, relax, and listen to this episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Buckle up, y'all. Right. So in this news and gossipish, there is so much going on um, in terms of everybody just kind of acting up online and just being, you know, in certain beefs and everything. And stuff is just getting really crazy. So I'm just going to start with talking about the two um, stories that sort of caught my eye in terms of beef. Um, and that's, of course, the situation involving Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch and SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair. Um, since the both of them um, had that incident on that episode of SmackDown a couple of weeks ago where they were throwing belts at each other and it was reported that they had gotten into a shouting match backstage and they were angry at each other and their relationship was strained and all that other stuff. Becky actually went on a um, interview on a podcast and actually addressed this addressed the situation. Um, she was appearing on the SI, the Sports Illustrated Media podcast with Jimmy Traina. And she basically divulged that her and Charlotte Flair are no longer um, close, despite previously being good friends with each other. Like she did not pull any punches in this at all. Um, And so when she was asked about the reported confrontation between her and um, Flair, she said, I don't know, man, we don't talk anymore. We don't talk. So all I'll say is that the locker room needs a hero sometimes and somebody and sometimes somebody's got to be that hero. I'm all right being that hero. And that's what I'll say on the matter. And she also when when asked that, you know, she was also asked about whether or not, you know, them not being on the same page was going to make the match difficult and she said oh 100 more difficult that's the thing when you've got two people that are wanting to work together to make magic then you make magic sometimes when there's hostility you can't when you can't trust the person then you never know what's going to happen you always have to be on guard it's like a game of chess you have to be thinking two steps three steps four steps ahead what are they going to do? How am I going to handle it if they do this, if they do that, whatever? This business is built on trust and working together. That's the art of it. That's the beauty of it. If I make you look good, you make me look good. It's an art. It's a beautiful art. It's an art I love more than anything. If people don't know how to make that art, then it becomes difficult. It becomes tricky and you never really get the full potential. But there's intrigue there too because we never know. Was this meant to happen? Was that not meant to happen? What's going to go down? There's interest in both ways. One way it's the beautiful pure art of pro wrestling. The other way it's a bit of an ish show. So we'll see what happens. Um, so this makes me so sad because even when, when um, old dude asked him, about asked her about their friendship and whether they talk and what she was just like no like there's no like it was almost like everything was just done like love really didn't live there anymore and it's so heartbreaking because in one of the pictures that I found online of them you know when they first sort of came up to the main roster you can see that they had a good friendship so I'm wondering how that even ended or why is it they don't talk anymore did they just grow apart or is it something that can be you know fixed or can reconciliation take place and sometimes in life you know friendships fall apart sometimes you have differences of opinions sometimes you just grow up and realize that some of the things that um your friends 
used to do or even sometimes family that the things that you guys used to agree on you just don't agree on anymore because you're in two totally different places and sometimes in life that just happens and I just hope that maybe somewhere down the line they can you know reconcile you know even if it's maybe for the sake of this match or maybe even down the line you know for the sake of their own lives you know they realize you know that they really love each other and they want to make stuff work you know hopefully that can happen but as of right now Becky is 100% valid in her feelings and I guess Charlotte you could say Charlotte is valid in her feelings too they're angry at each other um so maybe they'll fix it one day and I'm just hoping that somehow or another they have reconciliation at the end of it. And I'm hoping they can put all that, you know, their personal stuff aside, you know, for the sake of that match. Because business is business. So, yeah, I'm just hoping everything will be okay with them. And I'm just with sending them, you know, healing energy. Because I know that that's got to be hard when you're angry at someone. So, yeah. Also, in terms of beefs in the news... I found out that apparently CM Punk and Eddie Kingston have have apparently had real life beef with each other. So CM Punk and Eddie Kingston are um, set to fight each other tonight um, at AEW Full Gear following a heated promo that they had, you know, last week on Rampage where um, Eddie remembered and basically recalled how CM Punk kind of looked down on him. And he basically said that, you know, after I beat you up, you know, you're going to stay out of business. You're going to, you know, stay out of the business for seven more years to which Punk gave him a head, but it didn't like, they just basically fought each other. So according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, who we're going to take this with a grain of salt, because of course, you know, Dave Meltzer has a tendency to embellish stories. Um... An unnamed wrestler told him that they had witnessed a verbal confrontation between CM Punk um, and Kingston backstage at an IWA Mid-South show earlier in their careers. Um, So the wrestler had apparently told Dave Meltzer, I was sitting right there in an IWA Mid-South locker room when CM Punk called Eddie and his partner at the time, Blackjack Marciano, fat, lazy, and unsafe. Marciano had just accidentally injured Delirious in a previous match and Punk was hot about it, so he just buried them nonstop. I could see why Eddie hung on to that hate and anger for so long. Now, no one really knows if they if they've, you know, made amends since then backstage or maybe if they're angry, but something about that promo that they had with each other really did feel like they really didn't like each other when I wa- when I went back and watched it um on rampage i was just like god like they really seem like they really don't like each other and that's a little bit different in comparison to cm punk just starting you know fights with people just for the sake of him saying he wants to fight people so um yeah i that's pretty crazy um but i feel like that sort of you know feeds into them having this match like with the Becky and Charlotte thing, I'm pretty sure that uh, there's a part of that intensity that they'll probably use, but you know, hopefully it won't just spill over to the point to where they won't be able to work together and handle business, like I said earlier. So <clears throat> that's going to be interesting um, to see play out. But like I said, we have to take it with a grain of salt because Dave Meltzer has been kind of, you know, on the struggle bus this year with some of the stuff he's been saying. So we just kind of have to chill on, you know, trusting his word as gospel. Um, Also, Eddie Kingston had a great um, article um, that he put out about his journey into wrestling and everything he's had to go through and his struggles um, growing up in a rough neighborhood in New York and stuff. So that was really interesting. And it was really great to, you know, hear his testimony and his story. So please read that article on the Players Tribune. Um, it was really good. Also in the news, we have, um, The Undertaker, um, coming out and talking about how he wished that Roman Reigns broke his WrestleMania streak. So he spoke to Joey Hayden of the Dallas Morning News, Um, And he talked about why he thought that Roman Reigns should have been the first superstar to break um, his his legendary undefeated streak at WrestleMania. He said, and I quote, I don't know that Brock needed that win. Brock was a bona fide superstar at that point. So I don't know that he needed it. Roman, um, definitely that was the right call. I just wish he may have been first. I wish I could have reversed them. You know what I'm saying? If Roman would have been able to do it I think that would have increased the value 
Now, of course, um, Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker and broke that WrestleMania streak at WrestleMania 30, much to the shock of a lot of people, because that was like, what the F? You know, we were all just kind of sitting there like, huh? Like, did that really just happen? And it also devastated us and made us angry afterwards. So that was just a whole thing. Um, So basically... And then also going into Roman Reigns um, being the one to also being the one that's favorable to break the streak. Roman Reigns is a hard worker and I could understand why The Undertaker would have wanted that for him because can because a part of me wonders if Roman Reigns had broke the streak, if Roman would have been healed before now and with everything that we're getting with the tribal chief him you know at this stage i wonder if we have if we would have gotten that way earlier if he had beaten him in orlando um before you know before that point because when you think i remember that raw after that wrestlemania where he beat the undertaker he got booed mercilessly like he was destroyed mercilessly and he could barely even talk like he didn't even have like anything to say you know in his promo um, cause they started the raw with him and then everybody was booing the crap out of him and he couldn't even finish his promo. He couldn't say anything, but the only thing that he had the strength to say was, this is my yard now. And everybody just kept booing him mercilessly. And he didn't even turn heel after that point. So if Brock Lesnar hadn't have beaten the undertaker at WrestleMania 30, I'm what, and, and Roman Reigns had have beaten him in Orlando. I'm wondering would we have gotten the tribal chief Roman Reigns before, um, before now? Like, I feel like that's just a very important question to sort of ask in terms of what if, um, but yeah, like it's crazy, but you know, it's always a what if thing in wrestling. You have to think about, you know, all the stuff that could have happened, um, if certain events didn't happen, you know? Time is more than a linear path. I'm sorry. That that was a Marvel reference. I'm I'm such a Marvel head. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Also in the news, we have um AEW president, well, CEO rather, Tony Khan talking about um the chances of signing um Bray Wyatt during during the AEW full gear media scrum that took place on Thursday. Um he was asked by Wrestling Inc. if there was a possibility of Wyndham Rotunda, who was formerly known as Bray Wyatt, being signed to AEW. And he said, he responded, I like Wyndham a lot. We'll see what happens. You know, I haven't talked to him about it ever, about him coming to AEW. So from that short little answer, you can tell that um, <clears throat> he may be either keeping a secret or that maybe he hasn't talked to Bray Wyatt at all about coming to AEW. But that's not to say that it hasn't been, you know, thought about or something like that. So we'll ha- we'll just have to see about that. Because as it stands, he does have the freedom, I believe, now to... Bray Wyatt has the freedom now to participate in wrestling, you know, as it stands because his 90-day clause is up. So I do know now that he's also working on a movie in the UK. So he's still out here working. He's just not working in wrestling as it stands now. But we'll just have to see and also in terms of AEW CEO Tony Khan and that media scrum, I have so much more to talk about with that, but I'll do it later because if I do it now, it'll just be crazy. So um, lastly, we have news regarding Up Up Down Down and the hold out there um, in WWE with Ex- with King Xavier Woods. Um, so according to Fightful Select, um, Xavier Woods has received little to no additional money from WWE related to Up Up Down Down. And that him and other content creators for the Up Up Down Now YouTube channel are reportedly holding out on producing videos until Woods receives a better deal from WWE regarding the channel. So WWE reportedly applies some of the money earned from the channel towards the downside guarantee in Woods' contract. Um, And apparently that would also be the case with his hosting job on the G4 channel as well. But Fife also noted that other WWE superstars who are part of Up Up Down Down have a similar deal in terms of revenue being applied to their downside guarantees. Um, 
And it's also rumored that WWE has always owned Up Up Down Down and that Xavier has reportedly never received a significant amount of money from it despite contrary beliefs from outsiders, which I find very strange considering Xavier came up with it, you know, and I feel like if he came up with the idea that maybe he should, you know, be a be a greater beneficiary from his, you know, idea. So yeah. So basically Woods and the other content creators are standing in solidarity until a new agreement is reached with the WWE and if that happens, then the expectation is that content will resume being created for the channel. So as it stands now, the channel has not been has not been updated with anything new in the past three weeks. And I actually looked on YouTube myself and, you know, because I'm subscribed to it, I looked on YouTube myself and it's really true. Like, nothing new has come from that channel in a while. Um, but it seems that the situation involving Up Up Down Down really hasn't, you know, impacted Xavier Woods in any type of way. You know, he's not necessarily buried or something like that because he's still king of the ring. But weirdly enough, him and Roman Reigns had a match last night on SmackDown where um, if Roman lost, he would have to bend the knee to the king. But then if Xavier lost, he would have to bend the knee to the um, to the tribal chief. But as it stands now, that match ended in a disqualification and somehow or another, the Usos took it upon themselves to take Xavier's crown and put it on Roman Reigns' head and everyone on social media is calling him the king. That's disrespectful. He didn't fight in a tournament to be the king, so he is no longer, he is not the king. Um, don't be disrespectful. I hate y'all. Either way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm gonna need for Xavier Woods to get him some friends if Kofi can't fight and considering Big E is on Raw, yeah, that's a bit much so I'm gonna need for for something to happen to um Roman because of that because that was rude but yeah here's hoping that Xavier and um the other up up down down content creators can you know figure stuff out and get their monies because if that's something that they contribute to and this is ultimately Xavier Woods's baby that has opened up so many doors for him he deserves to make money from that and benefit from that so yeah stuff is getting crazy out here so that's the end of this news and gossipish segment, and now we're going to go to Wrestling Stars Fell on Alabama with Paul Bearer. All right, so in this Stars Fell on Alabama segment, which I'm so happy to have started um, last week with Sensational Sherry, today I'm going to do Paul Bearer. And I'm really excited to do him because I was just, um, I know last year when The Undertaker was, um, of course, those two were synonymous with each other, right? Um, when The Undertaker was doing his final farewell at Survivor Series, which is where he started his um, career as The Undertaker, um, they were releasing all of these, you know, documentaries on The Undertaker and his, you know, historic moments. And they released one called The Mortician, which was about the story of Paul Bearer. And one of the most surprising things that I did find out was the fact that he was born, you know, and that he was born in Mobile, Alabama. Now, if you may or may not know, um, I'm from Birmingham. So Birmingham is in Jefferson County. That's in like the central part of Alabama. So Mobile is like way further down, <laughs> um, closer to the Gulf of Mexico. So that's where Mobile is. It's kind of like bordering um, Louisiana. And then if you go over a little bit, you know, a little bit further than that, you can have Florida and then you have like the Gulf of Mexico there. So that's how far Mobile is away from me. Just to put it in context, you know, you can't always look at a map to get a better view of where Mobile, Alabama is. But that's where Paul Bearer is born, was born. Um, and it's also where he passed away. Um, that's his hometown. Um, his real name was William Alvin Moody, and he was born on April the 10th, 1954, and he passed away on March the 5th, 2013. So in his early career, he entered the wrestling business as a teenager, as a ringside photographer, and that's where he fell in love with the business at for taking pictures with it. Um, and after high school, he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, serving for four years and his highest rank being a sergeant. And we thank him for his service, especially since Veterans Day just passed. We thank him for that. Um, in 1979, 
he began managing um as he began he became a wrestling manager and he was known as his ring name was Percival Percy Pringle the third in various southeastern promotions but after the birth of his first son um from his um beloved wife that he was married to for over 30 years um after the birth of his first son he cut back on his wrestling career to obtain an actual um to slow down and basically obtain a degree in mortuary science um, and earn a certificate and earn a certification as an embalmer and a mortician. So a lot of people in wrestling have, you know, other careers that they go into while they sort of, you know, pursue their love for wrestling on the side as well. Um, like I know Amber Rodriguez now, who's a wrestler who's been also featured on NXT 2.0. And her um, character and a lot of who's also been on my show, her character is based on her real life profession as an esthetician. So what Paul Bearer did, he had an he had a fascination with death um, from the age of nine, which um, started with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Now, of course, this was before me um, and a little bit before my parents' time, um, of course. So when he was like nine years old, that was when um, President Kennedy was assassinated. And it was a very tragic event, of course, that took place and, and it shook the country at its core. So after that, he started, you know, becoming more and more fascinated with death. And one of his dreams was to own was basically to own his own um funeral home and do that while also pursuing wrestling as well so when you think about Paul Bear and how he was carrying around the urn and stuff like that and you know having you know stuff to do with caskets and everything with the undertaker he really was out here making arrangements for families you know who had you know family members who had crossed over to the other side that wasn't something that he just picked up on just for character wise this was his real life um <laughs> and some people you know in life you know are fascinated with death in that way or it's like a family business or stuff like that um I found that out from my short time of actually working in a cemetery office like within the past year um during the pandemic um I actually had a job at Elmwood Cemetery, which is one of the biggest, one of the largest cemeteries here in Birmingham. Shout out to them and um, that office um, and Miss Kawana and them. You know, I miss y'all. But yeah, like there were a couple of times there, like there are a couple of people who can, who um, are either into the business because it can either be like a family profession or they've just become fascinated with it and they just decide to just go on, you know, with their life and be funeral directors being you know managers or just you know or being morticians and stuff like that so that was Paul Bearer um so in 1984 he returned to wrestling full-time as um Percy Pringle in championship wrestling from Florida and world-class championship wrestling in Texas where um he notably managed um the ravishing rick rude stunning steve austin who of course we know as stone cold steve austin now and texas red who is now known as the undertaker um the undertaker has had various um characters before he you know struck gold with the undertaker gimmick he was texas red he was mean mark callis so you know you got to start somewhere <laughs> before you you know reach the pinnacle of where you you would reach with your um main character so he managed the undertaker before he was the undertaker so basically him and the undertaker were meant to be so in december of 1990 paul bearer joined the wwf slash wwe after being mentioned by rick rude to um of to um vince mcmahon who is who basically assisted in crafting the character of paul bearer but what's so funny is i also found out in my research that um road warrior hawk used to call um william moody used to call paul bearer paul bearer because of the play on the name being a paul bearer with the funeral thing so they basically crafted this character um and in 1991 in february of 1991 paul made his first appearance as a heel when he um took over the managerial um position for the for the undertaker um from paul from um brother love 
Brother Love was the Undertaker's manager first, and Brother Love, you know, didn't want to be his manager anymore, so the Undertaker basically um, went to Paul Bearer for that. And then he also hosted a WWF talk show called The Funeral Parlor, where which included memorable segments such as the Ultimate Warrior being locked inside of a casket. So it seems that during this, during the early 90s was when Paul Bearer was beginning to make a huge splash um, on WWF television while being the Undertaker's manager. So in SummerSlam of 1996, Paul Bearer um, turned heel by betraying The Undertaker to align with mankind. And then he also hired the executioner and Vader in order to take out The Undertaker. Then also in um, 1997, um, a little bit bit later, um, at In Your House 14, Revenge of The Undertaker, um, The Undertaker set Paul Bearer's face on fire, which basically led to Paul Bearer wearing um, a bandage wearing bandages on his face before changing his look up to um having strawberry blonde hair and less makeup so of course when Paul Bear first started we we knew him as having you know dark dark black hair or brunette hair um and having really you know sort of like makeup to sort of take all the basically all the pale to make all everything pale pop out in his eyes you know having dark circles and everything to make him sort of look like a zombie-ish type of thing so he changed his hair to strawberry blondes and he had on less makeup, you know, after the bandages were taken off. And then in mid-1997, Paul Bearer coerced The Undertaker, who was the WWF champion at the time, into being his client again with the ultimatum of revealing a deep, dark family secret from the past. Now, of course, The Undertaker was irritated with that. So after, you know, dealing with so many of Paul Bearer's, you know, demands and everything, um... The secret was finally revealed and it was suggested that Paul Bearer had a traumatic past with the Undertaker's mother and that they had had an affair which resulted in a love child um, slash half brother which was which came to be known as Kane who debuted in 1997 at Bad Blood in Your House during the Undertaker's Hell in a Cell match against Shawn Michaels. So this led to a huge blood feud between them because, of course, Paul Bearer turned heel and was the manager for Kane. And this led to a feud that which would last for over, I want to say, for almost maybe more than 15 years because somehow or another, The Undertaker and Kane, it's like they would work together as the Brothers of Destruction most sometimes. But then there are other times where they would feud with each other back and forth all the time so and Paul Bearer would always somehow be in the middle of it and it would just be really crazy like bro like if my I'm thinking like if you're like the father of Kane why aren't you you know facilitating love and happiness but this is wrestling so there's no such thing as love and happiness with families here so (laughs) yeah in 2000 um he returned to television briefly as Kane's manager and then retired from on-screen work to serve as a road agent for WWE a stage manager and talent scout until his contract ended in 2002 and then in 2002 um he also went to TNA for a short period of time and was known as Percy Pringle III there and then in 2000, in October of 2003, he signed a new three-year deal with WWE, even though he um, refused, refused to at first due to his health issues in terms of obesity. And when Jim Ross, Jr., was trying to convince him to come back, he was, you know, he didn't, he wasn't sure about coming back due to dealing with um, his health issues um, with obesity. But then he wound up getting the surgery that he needed because WWE actually um, paid for it. So. Um, that was a good call on their part and Paul Heyman, um, came back. So in 2004, um, he reappeared at WrestleMania 20 alongside the Undertaker, um, in a match against Kane. So Kane and the Undertaker had this beef going on, but then somehow or another, I believe, I forgot, I believe it was that Survivor Series or some, some pay-per-view at that time, Kane buried the undertaker alive and we kind of thought he was dead for a while so he was gone for like months on end so we're like okay the undertaker's gone blonde and but then somehow or another lights would flicker and lightning would flash on raws and stuff like that and so kane would was being haunted over and over again so everybody you know there was this intrigue of whether or not the undertaker was really going to come back and stuff um But then at WrestleMania 20, you had the Druids come out with the fire and everything. And this WrestleMania was at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, it was the 20th anniversary. They was doing it big. So 
um the druids came out and everything and then you heard paul bearer go oh yes and then he came out with the urn and stuff and he was looking like approvingly and then kane kept was in the ring saying you're not real you're not real you're not real but then the undertaker came out he was like yes i'm real and it was so cool it was so cool um this is one of the first wrestlemanias i ever saw um <laughs> so um you can see how late in the game i am or late or late in the game i was in terms of pay-per-views we didn't watch pay-per-views that often um we would sort of watch like the tv shows but it wasn't until later that pay-per-views were beginning to be introduced to me in that way so i watched that pay-per-view and it was so cool i was like man this is insane but yeah that's like one of my favorite wrestlemania moments right there um and then in the spring of 2004 um paul bearer was kidnapped by the dudley boys under the direction of paul Heyman, who was being a heel at the time and then in june on june 27th of 2004 at the great american bash pay-per-view um the undertaker had to fight the dudley boys in a handicap match in order to save paul bearer from being you know buried in a glass crypt with concrete and this scared me because this was around the time of which you know i thought the wrestling you know had the real elements to it and well with the realer elements to it like i thought that paul bear was getting buried in concrete for real i was a kid so i'm just like bro like oh my god he's gonna die like i thought we were literally watching someone die on national television <laughs> I thought he was fitted or on pay-per-view I thought he was gonna die like he's getting buried in concrete no like I was scared um so Paul was encased in this glass box of cement and if the Undertaker won the match then you know this was you know save him but then if not you know he would have to get buried but the Undertaker wound up winning the match but he pulled the lever anyway and Paul was buried but he was still alive but he just had like crazy traumatizing injuries and that's how they played it off so yeah it's so weird that undertaker would pull the lever like that he was he was getting his cronk on pull the lever undertaker um but um <laughs> um something happened um involving this match where someone took pictures and posted them online basically um telling the trick as to how they were pulling off the whole cement thing and then they pulled paul paul um bearer lord excuse me paul bearer off of television um for a while but then in 2005 he signed another new deal with wwe in which he would make promotional appearances and work house shows and most memorably in january of 2007 he appeared at a smackdown ecw house show in his hometown of mobile alabama with the brothers of destruction and he was carrying the original urn and then in 2009 he um was featured in the thq video game wwe legends of wrestlemania and he will go on to be featured in um other video games in 2011 such as wwe smackdown vs raw 2011 as a selectable manager and he will go on to be featured in other video games like wwe all-stars wwe 13 and wwe 2k 14 and then in september of 2010 he returned on an episode of smackdown after being brought in a casket and restored the undertaker's powers with the magical urn and then he managed kane after turning heel again and then in april of 2012 he returned for a brief stint as part of kane's ongoing feud with randy orton and then he was kidnapped by randy and then stuck in a storage freezer while trapped while strapped to a wheelchair y'all have y'all ever really sat down and thought about all the scary mess that randy orton has done to people especially older legends he should be in jail low-key <laughs> in the world of kayfabe randy orton should really be in jail because he's just done some really sick things like outside of somebody doing supernatural things like randy orton has done some pretty shady stuff that you would only expect from like a serial killer or something like that like randy orton needed needed some major help in the 2000s but we ain't gonna talk about that right now um Paul Bearer was saved by Kane, but then he was thrown back into the freezer as if to say, you know, um, I'm going to save you. Kane was like, I'm going to save you from me because I'm no good either. And Paul Bearer was just, you know, stuck in the freezer after that point. And that was his last appearance, sadly, on television. 
Um, as he passed away in 2013 due to a heart attack at the age of 58. And he was preceded um, in death by his um, wife, who he was absolutely was hope was definitely devoted to for all of his life for 30 years of his life and they had two sons um but this wasn't the end of his wwe career even after his death which a lot of people including the undertaker um have gone on record to say was something that he would have wanted that he would have wanted his death to be included in wwe programming you know after the fact even though a lot of people feel like, you know, that they feel like that's distasteful to bring bring stuff up like that, where someone who was once on television is dead and they utilize it for the sake of storyline. Paul Bearer was not one of those people. He actually wanted to be included um, in stuff, you know, after his death. They're saying that this is what he would have wanted. So following his death, um, he kept being a part of storyline. So on March the 11th, 2013, raw um had a tribute episode to him um and the undertaker was paying tribute to him where he came out you know and did the kneel um at the urn that base in the urn in the ring that they had for him and they did the thunder and the lightning and everything but it was interrupted by cm punk dun 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 um who is his opponent for wrestlemania 29 so Punk proceeded to mock Paul Bear over the next few weeks, you know, leading up to their match. Um, and he would antagonize The Undertaker and antagonize Kane, including stealing Paul Heyman's urn and attacking Kane with it. And on the, a on, on the April 1st episode of Raw, Paul Heyman dressed up as Paul Bearer because him and um, CM Punk were working together at the time. And Punk beat up on The Undertaker and poured the ashes of the urn onto The Undertaker. So CM Punk was just being mad rude <laughs> in this feud with The Undertaker. Like he was just pouring, so like he was just being absolutely rude, but he was playing into that heel role. And if it's anything that CM Punk can do, he can be a heel, you know, when it really comes down to it. Like he's really good at being a heel. Um, so you know, of course, you know, CM Punk's with AEW now, and it's sort of less likely that he would basically turn heel at this point, but, um, because everybody loves him so much and stuff, but this was one of the best heel works that I had ever seen from CM Punk, him feuding with The Undertaker and utilizing, you know, all of the, all of the feelings that The Undertaker had, you know, towards Paul Bear in that feud, like, it was gold, and, a lot of people should give him credit for that, but I don't think at this point CM Punk would even give himself credit for that because he hates WWE so much. But yeah, um, and after that point, after The Undertaker beat CM Punk and stuff like that, um, in 2014, um, Paul Bear was inducted into the Hall of Fame and Kane did the induction speech and his sons Michael and Daniel Moody accepted the induction on Paul Bear's behalf and The Undertaker came out in character to pay tribute to him because a lot of people were wondering if he was going to come out you know and be himself but The Undertaker um at that point in time was not breaking kayfabe for anybody he was one of the last few few um characters left to not break kayfabe um and he never did it until of course he was getting ready to retire and we've seen more of him as mark calloway in recent years um so yeah that was nice and then lastly um in november of 2020 um, I mentioned this earlier when The Undertaker was doing his final farewell in wrestling as he was finally retiring, a hologram of Paul Bearer appeared um, as The Undertaker did his kneeling pose um, as he did his kneeling pose in the ring the lightning and the thunder you know just came up and then all of a sudden you see this hologram of Paul Bearer you know looking down upon him approvingly saying oh yeah and it was just and I remember watching it just getting kind of emotional because I'm just like oh my god like you could you just you just can't help but feel like the spirit of Paul Bear was there because him and the Undertaker were so synonymous with each other right and so with the Undertaker finally you know taking his final bow you can't help but feel that Paul Bear was in the midst of that and he would have been there you know had he had lived but oh my god but I feel like Paul Bear was there he was there so um 
Uh, some of his other accomplishments, some of Paul Bear's other accomplishments was the fact that in 2013, he won the Luthez Award from the Cauliflower Alley Club. And in 2014, he was also inducted into the Lee Fields Gulf Coast Wrestling Hall of Fame. And in 1998, he was voted Manager of the Year by Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So this is where I'm going to give my flowers and all of my love to um, Paul Bear and any one of his family members um, who are still here in Alabama and stuff like that. Like I'm giving all of my love and healing towards you because I know you guys, you know, definitely miss him, even though it's been a few been years since he passed, you know, that hole never goes away. And I'm sending all kinds of healing energy to everyone in wrestling who had the pleasure of working with Paul Bear and stuff like that. And I just want to say that, you know, without him, we wouldn't have so many great managers and stuff. Um, and just his dedication to the wrestling business and also his dedication to helping families, you know, make final preparations for their family members. Like his um, contributions in both of those industries will never be will never be forgotten. And I'm just really happy to be um, a person, you know, from the same state as him and being able to sort of give him his flowers and, you know, and talk about, you know, him in this stage. So if there's anything or if you have any favorite Paul Bearer moments, you know, please either message me with them or put them in the comments as I make posts about this segment. Um, and, you know, just don't hesitate to let me know any favorite Paul Bearer moments that you might have on Instagram and on Twitter um, at Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Instagram at, and at Hardy Wrestle Pod on Twitter as I make posts about this segment. So that's the end of Wrestling Stars Fell on Alabama with Paul Bearer. And now we're going to go into my little talk about women's wrestling in women in media. Right. So this is normally where the weekly recap would be. And for those who were looking forward to that, I apologize for that um, because I really did, you know, start this week with the intention of talking about NXT 2.0, Impact Wrestling and SmackDown. Um, But something happened Thursday, which is weird because somehow or another these past two Thursdays in terms of wrestling has just been crazy with releases and now this um it's like wrestling decides it wants to act up before the week is over it's strange but um Thursday while I was watching Impact Wrestling I was on Twitter and I saw um one of my colleagues and at Women's Wrestling Talk um at Ella J get tagged in so much stuff and if you may or may not know Ella J um is a wrestling journalist she is a reputable wrestling journalist at that um she has her own podcast called a wrestling gal and she's had various amazing guests on that show so i please do recommend that you check that out even i've i've had the pleasure of being on her featured on her um 200th episode i believe um as we talked about women's wrestling and where it's set to go and stuff like that um And I also had the pleasure of meeting her in St. Louis during NWA Empower Weekend and NWA 73 Weekend. And just seeing the passion that she has for for wrestling, but also women's wrestling as a whole, was just, you know, one one of the ways in which we clicked. And I was just really happy to have worked with her and to actually have her, you know, as a support system as I was at my first red carpet ever, you know, for Women's Wrestling Talk. And she is a great contributor to Women's Wrestling Talk. And she's also had, she also wrote an article on NWA Empower, which is featured in Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Women's 150 issue, which is out now. So, and she also works for sescoops.com. So there's just so much that she contributes to women's wrestling um, and wrestling as a whole in terms of various, you know, articles and stuff like that that she contributes to websites and everything so she was invited along with another colleague of mine um Katrina Blake they were both invited to participate in the AEW media call um which I talked about on news and gossipish where you talked about Bray Wyatt um they participated in this media call Thursday because of course today is AEW um full gear and 
the CEO was answering various questions that the media had for him in this media call. For those who may or may not know what a media call is, it's like when basically it's like a giant phone call involving um, various media outlets, you know, asking questions of wrestlers and asking questions of um, executives in wrestling, you know, leading up to an event. So Ella and Katrina got invited to this thing and you can either be called on, you can either not be called on. This is what I, um, imagine it, it it is like, I've never been on a media call before, but this is what I imagine it's like. So in this media call, Ella asked an incredibly valid question, um, which I don't find, um, anything wrong with. She asked the CEO, Tony Khan, if there was the possibility of AEW having an all-female pay-per-view or an all-female show. And he, in a very classless move, cut her off by saying, I'm going to cut you off right there, by, and basically proceeded to pat himself on the back and give himself credit for financially, um, footing, for financially footing the bill for some of his for some of the girls on AEW to participate in NWA Empower um which is true because some of those women from AEW did participate and they were there because I was there at that event um and he was patting himself on the back for having done that as opposed to answering the question of whether or not AEW would have an all-female show or even considered it and it was just annoying to me first of all because Number one, you acting like you ain't got no home training. Um, who taught you that interrupting people when they were talking is okay? Now, I know a lot of people do it, you know, in the height of conversation and stuff like that. But I know when I was a child, my grandmama, God rest her soul, and my auntie both taught me that it is not polite to interrupt somebody when they are talking. You're supposed to let them finish their thoughts and let them get it out before you respond. Or even as you're an adult, if you're in the heat of conversation, you have to let them know, you have to let the other person know that when you're, when they are talking, that you're not trying to be rude with interrupting them, but you have something else to say so there can be an equal exchange of energy in the conversation. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what people with manners do. He did not apparently was not raised with manners, but he was clearly raised with a lot of money. So he thinks he's entitled to treat people any kind of way. And that's not cool. So that's the, that's where, um, he dropped the ball at right there. He didn't have any manners. Number two, the problem that I had was the fact that I have on good authority that he was treating all the other male people on the media call like they you know like everything was cool with them and everything like that but then the minute a woman asks you a question a woman who um represents reputable sources in wrestling media asks you a, a legitimate question you get bothered and bent out of shape and basically equate you paying for um your female superstars to participate in um nwa empower you equating that to paying for dinner and not getting any credit for it which i took as you paying for dinner and not having a woman put out for you or not having a woman do anything for you and sweetheart that is the bare minimum as a person who has been on multiple first dates and as a person who is currently in a relationship when you are in a relationship depending on what type of what part of the country you live in especially down here in the south a man is supposed to pay for the first date that is what a man is a man is can sometimes pay for the first date it depends on who you are it depends on your relationship but most of the time the man is expected to pay and with you talking about what you think should have been done or how you think you should be getting credit for how you paid for that and all the other stuff is besides the point because you may have money but the thing about doing good for somebody is when you have money you can pay for somebody but you don't have to brag about it or be braggadocious about it and say oh I helped them and I don't get any credit for it or blah 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 those are the type of people you don't want to ask nothing of when you 
borrow some money from somebody you want to borrow money from somebody who will actually think nothing of it and actually want to help you out of the kindness of their heart and not out of the narcissistic need to talk about how much money they have and talk about oh well I did this because I had the money in they don't give me credit for it and they don't do this and they don't pay me back and blah 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 you do not hold it over somebody's head when you help somebody when you help somebody you help somebody out of the kindness of your heart not because you want some credit for it or because you want a cookie for it okay you're the ceo of a company you should want better opportunities you should better you should want better opportunities for the women of your company simply because that's the bare minimum that anybody expects from you you should want better for them from jump street regardless of how much credit you get for it when it comes to women's wrestling you don't get the credit for it because yeah you're a man you're not out here busting your ass you're not out here getting bruises on your chest and getting bruises on your legs and taking hits and stuff you're only paying these people to do it you aren't taking the hits you're not dealing with the mental health issues and the trauma that comes from being knocked on the side of the head all the time these women are they get the credit for it mickey james gets the credit for it because she was the executive producer she gets the credit for it medusa jazz and gail kim get the credit for it because they are the ones who helped with the idea and were running backstage of that event ella gets credit for it because she not only did journalism for that event she also helped with with melina's entrance her and samira shout out to her and um and Dia Shin from Ring the Bells, they get credit for it because they actually helped with Melina's entrance when she was facing off against Deanna Parazzo for um for for the championship. Like they get the credit for it because they are the reasons why that event was successful. Not you and your daddy's money. And yes, I'm angry right now, and I do not like getting this angry, but he pissed me off <laughs> because Ella is someone that I care about. She is what I consider a colleague when it comes to women, um, when it comes to women's wrestling and when it comes to women in wrestling media, because I'm brand new at this game. Like I just started last year and Ella's been doing this for a while and she has been nothing but helpful and nothing but gracious to me in my in my evolution as have so many other women as well like you have women like her you have women like Samira you have women like TK Trinidad who I've had on my show who 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 has done nothing but help me and then to go back a little bit further there's people like Miranda Morales who is the reason why I'm even a commentator at this point for the Belladonna division because she was the one who told me about the opportunity in the first place you have women like her who host various shows and is also a ring announcer as well in various shows in Arizona you have women like Janelle from the HR who um who was a co-host for um the Be for Jesus for the Jobber Tears podcast and she holds it down with sir wilkins and mr black and she is one of the co-owners of battle club pro being one of the one of probably one of the only if not you know the only afro latina woman to have a position like that in an independent wrestling company like you have so many women like that kicking all kinds of ass in media and also kicking ass behind the scenes as well and it's just like you get on here and you fix your mouth to disrespect them no that's rude you do not get to disrespect women in media women who work with with places like divadirt.com and other women who are podcasters like those wrestling girls and those dead ass girls even though they're no longer you know running it's like they were the original they are one of the um pioneers when it comes to women's um women's podcasting and wrestling and stuff like that like you don't get to talk down to us and make it seem like our opinion doesn't matter but then treat all the male people who came in you know from various you know news sites and stuff like that like they're important no you gonna listen to what we have to say today tony khan and i don't care how you feel about it I don't, and yeah and yeah it may be true that he apologized to ella and everything and that's cool or whatever but i really hope that you really did learn from your mistake number one and number two i also hope that you take that this is a lesson in how you treat women in wrestling media i was just talking to my boyfriend the other day about how before nxt rebranded they had a um a media thing um on instagram and facebook live um for one of their takeovers 
And I'll never forget how I was watching most of those questions come in from Sports Illustrated, from Talk Sport, from from Give Me Sport, from so many different news websites that cover wrestling and how most of those questions came from men from male writers and this is no diss to male writers and saying that they're not good but there needs to be more of an outlet and more of an opportunity for female writers in wrestling as well and for female journalists in wrestling too because we are up in here working twice as hard to know for half of the recognition like we work just as hard if not harder than the than our male counterparts and we deserve you know the respect that male people that male writers get we deserve the respect that male reporters get and we aren't gonna stop until we get it and these people who are in charge need to have more of an open mind towards towards women knowing about wrestling because even though it is a male dominated sport and even though that there are and it is a male fan dominated sport women are here too we've been coming to these shows for years I have been going to wrestling shows with my father for years my sister too we know about wrestling and we can carry on a conversation about wrestling and basically carry that conversation like it's a heavy book bag but we can carry it because we know our stuff the same way any man can sit up in a barbershop and talk about football and basketball I can sit up with you and sit at a dinner table and talk to you about Oprah but also talk but also talk to you about wrestling the same way that a man can talk to you about any any sport and you and it and it will not be surprising and even if you do find it surprising you're going to embrace the fact and find out that I'm going to talk about wrestling the way that any man would talk about wrestling I know the moves I know the move sets I know the finishing moves I know how a ring is set up I know backstage stuff I read all of this stuff and I learn about wrestling every time I can And even though I may have only just been exposed to like the mainstream stuff you know as I've been growing up as I've been growing in the industry now more and more and more now than ever I'm learning more about the independence and I feel like that is going I feel like any woman that is learning about that including myself it's like that makes you a dangerous that makes you a dangerous asset So if there's any woman in wrestling media that's listening to this right now, please know that your voice has value here, regardless of any man that may be a CEO or any man that might just be a troll online, because there was plenty of those who were trying to come at Ella and talk about how she should know her place and she should have just, you know, be quiet and just had patience or whatever and just shut up or blah, blah, blah. No, she was, she can, if you go back and listen to that audio, she conducted herself with absolute professionality and she knew what her place was he didn't know what his place was because for usual he was out here giving himself credit and patting himself on the back for doing the bare minimum of what a person is supposed to do as an executive in wrestling he was jacking off to himself and talking about oh well I've done this and I've done that and nobody gives me credit for it no because you are a man with money there is nothing special about you There is nothing special about the idea of you using your daddy's money to create an alternative. Congratulations, you made an alternative. That's fantastic. Other wrestlers get to have a job. That's amazing. That's great. But you're not going to take credit for multiple women having multiple women having their matches poo-pooed off and have and them having to fight for the equality of any man and having the same amount of time as any male's match or whatever you're not going to sit here and take credit for that you don't get to take sole credit for that just because oh you paid for something okay that's only 20 percent of the job the other 80 is is putting on a great show and doing all these moves and execute and executing them safely so that nobody gets hurt that's the 80 percent boo do better all i'm gonna say is that tony khan needs to do better and if he wants to continue to be the change that he claims that he wants to be then he needs to open his mind and realize that women's wrestling is a draw and if he doesn't realize that then he just and then he's just going to be just as late as wwe was to the curve 
And that's the truth. That's the real T right there. He's going to be just as late to the curve as anybody else would be just as late. And I'm not saying that he hasn't done anything to like try to push women's wrestling for it because you do have the TBS championship tournament. And then you did have Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in that, you know, blood match and stuff. And that was cool too. But let's not forget the fact that you have so many other women, excuse me, so many other talented women who are just on aw dark and dark elevation and aren't doing as much on television as you could have them doing you could have more segments involving the women that isn't centered on just your titles like you could do more with that but you're not and when ella called you out on it you got scared you got scared and i'm saying every promotion needs to do better by their women not just aew But WWE, you know, every other promotion that isn't doing as much as it could for its women, you need to do better because this is the 21st century. There is a rising audience of women who want to see more of themselves, who want to see themselves represented in terms of women. And if y'all don't catch up, we gonna make you catch up, boo. We gonna make you catch up. And that's just the truth of the matter. This isn't the 1990s where there wasn't social media and we couldn't raise our voice oh no this is the 2020s (laughs) this is the 2020s where we have social media and if we see something that we don't like we will rage against the machine until change is made and that's just the truth of the matter women's wrestling succeeds because of the women in it not because of the men or because of not because of the men who claim that they should have credit because they pay for it baby bye just because you pay for something don't mean you deserve the credit for it women's wrestling strives because of its women not because of its men now shut up now and to be quite honest as a woman who is newly in wrestling media I want better respect for us I want us to be respected just as much as any man because we have the knowledge and the know-how just as much as any man does in wrestling. You will respect us as such. And if you don't respect us as such, then we'll just keep creating our own platforms. That's the reason why women's wrestling talk exists. That's the reason why other wrestling podcasts that are centered on women exist. That's the reason why my show exists. Because women in wrestling have a voice. If you can watch us wrestle, then you can definitely watch us talk about wrestling too. So as long as you keep skirting us our opportunities and keep pushing us to the side, we're just going to keep raising our voices on our own platforms until y'all decide to catch up and realize that we deserve as much respect as any male writer, any male journalist does. And I know Tony apologized and that's cool and everything. But it's going to take me a minute to see him, you know, in an okay light after this. It's going to take me a minute. It's going to take me some healing and it's going to take me some prayer to see him, you know, as okay after that. And that's just the truth of how I feel about it. You and on a personal note, you just don't get to treat my friends like crap. You don't. You don't get to treat my friends like crap and I'm not going to sit there and let you do it. Because Ella deserves better and she works really hard. And she has worked hard for every opportunity that she has ever gotten. And anybody who has a problem with me defending her, take it to Jesus. Don't take it to me because I, I ain't got time for it. So, um, <laughs> that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Um, CEO of AEW, Tony Khan, do better. Um, women in wrestling media deserve better treatment. And women in wrestling who are actual wrestlers deserve better treatment than to have somebody talk about how much money they pay for them to participate in a thing as if you're the pimp and they're the hoes. Get your ass on. But okay, um, that's all I have to say about that. I'm sorry. Like, I'm really sorry I just got that amped up, but I'm just really passionate about this. And it's just, ugh. Yeah. Tony, just do better. And women's wrestling is going to continue to rise and women in media, in wrestling media, are going to continue to rise as well in spite of trashy, misogynistic buttholes trying to tell us that we're not important. 
we are important and we are here and we're going to continue to take our place in this circle of life boo so whatever that's the end of this segment Right. So thank you guys for listening to that episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. As usual, you know, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod and at Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And you can follow the Facebook page at the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And know that you can listen to this show everywhere you get your podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify youtube even though i've i've i haven't really been as diligent with posting my interviews on youtube due to technical stuff and all that um you can listen to episodes on youtube and see my interviews on youtube um you can also listen to it on iHeartRadio as well so just anywhere you get podcasts you can find this show um thank you for supporting this show um this is the 81st episode um so if you haven't had a chance to already please listen to my 80th episode that I just put out um called I think therefore I am so please um listen to that and continue to just support this show um this is a woman this is a wrestling podcast ran by a black woman in the south in Alabama to be specific and I know this past in the past few days a lot of people have been sort of talking about you know their place in wrestling media and stuff like that and I just choose to believe that my voice is important um and I choose to believe that I have you know stuff to say about certain things in wrestling and I choose to believe that who I am is meant for this so for any person in wrestling media who's a woman or who is marginalized in any way shape or form due to their race their sexuality or um any ways in which you are different don't feel that you don't have a place here you do have a place here um this is not just going to be a wonder bread type um sport because it can't be because we all love wrestling so if we all love wrestling then we should all have a voice in it right so don't ever believe that you're not important regardless of you know what other people might say and even in spite of what even you might say to you sometimes because sometimes even yourself can be your worst enemy right um just know that you are important and that you are the light in this wrestling industry and in this world and as long as you have a voice you better continue to raise it and regardless of what anybody has to say you are important you is kind and you is smart and you is important <laughs> I'm sorry, that just came out of me naturally. I, I, I love movies. Either way, um, just know that you're important and that your voice matters. And regardless of what anybody has to say, you have something to say and something to contribute to this sport that we love so very much. And as long as we keep raising our voices, then we'll always be heard and changes will always be made because we we are the change. So that's all that truly matters there. Um, and that's coming from me, Stephanie Hardy, a 28 year old black woman from Alabama with a wrestling podcast. Your voice is important and always remember that. So with that in mind, I hope you're being safe and doing everything you possibly can to still have fun, but also in a safe manner. And, um, because the panorama is still out here, but you know, just do your best to just take care of yourself, stay safe and healthy and take all your medicines and eat you know all the foods that you need to eat and sometimes eat the foods that you don't need to eat because you know junk food is cool but not a whole lot but yeah (laughs) I hope you're just taking care of yourself so with that in mind um this is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy and until next time bye y'all